Welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. If you like today's episode, please check out nearly 60 podcasts that I have on this podcast channel, as well as nearly 100 articles that I've written for medium.com and a video blog on YouTube. All of these can be searched through NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, or you can visit my website, narctroopers.com, and find links to everything there. Today's topic is the cruelest cuts. This means that, well, you know what it means to be cut. Narcissists slice deeply to the bone. You know, if you've been in a relationship with a person with a cluster B personality disorder who is a narcissist, sociopath, or psychopath, then there is something that you need to know. They study you. They ask a million probing questions and then take extensive notes, cataloging every detail for future use. They know every nuance, every weakness, every fear, and every doubt. In the beginning, It may seem harmless and even sweet, like they're an attentive listener, so curious to know you better. This kind of interest and such such, such listening so carefully, well, why are they doing this? They are building an arsenal, and they will use every single word against you in the end. Covert narcissists may never raise their voice or their hand to you in any way, but they weaponize their words to decimate their target and go for the jugular. They are ruthless in launching attacks on your most vulnerable parts and slice and dice with such speed and stealth that you may not even realize you've been butchered until you're bleeding out on the floor. They are also particularly adept at something called word salad. It can best be described as an odd combination of words or circular statements that sound like they might have substance, but actually say nothing. And they leave you even more perplexed at the end than when you begin. It is a kind of nonsensical, magical thinking laced with snippets of wise words or observations or witty little platitudes, but making no logical or defensible defensible point. You know, it's like total, um, for lack of better words, it's total mind fuckery. In the past year of my attempt to survive this, the discard where I was, um, you know, kicked to the curb in June of 2019. After 16 years with this person, 15 years of holy matrimony, I have heard countless people say that it's important to speak up and say your truth. Tell what happened. Warn others. Be supportive of those in crisis and others on the healing journey. I'm guessing that's what brought you to this podcast. That we shouldn't allow others to shame us or stigmatize us. We don't need to feel that way. We didn't do anything that deserves that stigma and shame. 
So don't let others who do not understand what has happened invalidate you or rush your recovery. You know, the well-intentioned, just get over it. Just let it go. You know, you're better off without this toxic person. You know what happened. You know what is real. And through your story on the other side of sharing your fight to get back to life, I think that there's healing, learning, new awareness, and hope. The cruelest words ever spoken can be poured into your ears with a smirk and a softness that kills. These are the words spoken with the intention to injure and punish. When the narcissist experiences wounding called narcissistic injury, they will retaliate with unimaginable cruelty veiled with a smile. Every single day, my narcissist ex said, trust me, I'm your husband. He would whisper, I love you, Snookums, and I will always be here with you till the very end. I never imagined that the end would suddenly become any time he decided that it was time. And when the fuel or supply can no longer provide quality stuff that the narcissist needs, they're just going to throw you away and replace you without remorse. So all these words and promises mean absolutely nothing. You know, I think a promise is a promise for life. A vow is a vow forever. And I passionately believe in love, love that never ends. Partnerships last forever. They're supposed to, right? If you're in a marriage, in a relationship that's committed to one person with fidelity, loyalty, and devotion, what happened to those things? They're important. They're the very core of our existence. We want that. We crave that. We need that. And marriages that weather all the storms, that change and adapt over time, that reinvent themselves times over and still live on as a viable, substantial partnership and team until fucking death do you part. No exceptions. No matter what forever love. These days, it doesn't seem like people value that. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy. It's like a disillusion of the values and ethics that are at the very center of our existence. Unconditional love. Narcissists are incapable of understanding love or fidelity, much less possessing the ability to follow through with their sweet words and tender promises. So these are the words that linger, the words that stab and slice the heart to shreds and have no mercy, the ones that haunt and loop in your memory and cause incessant rumination for years to come. These are the things said to me in the end. These are the words of a narcissist, and I'm going to share with you a dirty dozen daggers. That's right, a dirty dozen daggers. Number one, he said, I don't want to take care of you. 
I don't want to watch you grow old and watch you die in some hospital bed gasping for breath. She said, are you cursing me or making a prophecy or something? All these years you promised you would always be beside me and without warning, you suddenly have such contempt and cruelty. You're killing me now, watching me die and amusing yourself with my suffering. You don't have to wait for later or fear that. It's here now. Number two, he said, as time passed, it seemed less the reality I chose out of love and more the reality I chose out of fear. She said, when did you realize this and why didn't you say something? Fear of what exactly? You didn't just wake up one day and suddenly realize that and have this epiphany. Maybe that's just what you had to tell yourself to justify what you've done and to make it seem legitimate that you stayed with me out of fear. You told me you loved me every single day and night for the last 16 years. What was that? Number three, he said, My behavior with the flirting and the cheating and the lying and all of that was a direct response to being told I couldn't do something and coping with it in the only ways I had been taught. She said, so it's my fault? Your mother's fault? All the crazy betrayals and acting out were not your own choice and free will? You are blaming others so you don't have to take responsibility for the seriously messed up stuff that you never stop doing. Is anything ever your fault? Are you going to ever assume responsibility for anything you've ever done? Number four, he said, I saw what your kids saw before being broken or betrayed by you, but also did what everyone else did in your family, what they've done when they felt those feelings with others. I ran or blocked it from my life. She said, what the hell are you talking about? Are you going to hit me where it hurts and act like I was the one who broke and betrayed my children? You did unspeakable things to them to drive them away. And the only thing I ever did wrong was to stand by you and try to defend you over and over and over again. My mistake was that I should have chosen them and I should have put them first. But that's not what happened. And you participated in all of that. Number five, he said, my original decision to be Polly was to learn about new standards of morality, ethics, and the idea of ownership in our marriage. It was an experiment that I thought could save the marriage as well as help me feel less isolated as I did without friends and with the same repetitive job. My sexual ethics are different from yours. She said, an experiment to save the marriage sounds like an admission that you were having extramarital affairs maybe for a couple of years or something before you actually decided to leave our marriage. 
And all your justifications and rationalizations for needing to commit adultery, betray me and humiliate me, repeatedly humiliating me, are things we could have sat down and figured out and talked about and problem solved together. That's what married couples do. You are completely devoid of morals and you're proud of it. You're just a fuckboy predator who does not even begin to comprehend the definition of ethics or the reason that we all need them. Number six, he said, I hope you can make your peace with the past. To me, it's too flawed and dishonest to be anything but honest if we were to try to get back together again. We know too much and we have seen too much. She said, too dishonest to be anything but honest? What are you even trying to say? We were both manipulative at times, trying to get what we wanted out of the relationship, but I never lied. I always chose what was best for you or for what was best for us, and I always put that first. You were the one who lived a false life. You want to get fresh fuel from young girls who are infatuated with your awesomeness since I know you are a heartless narcissist. I know the truth about what you are, and that's the thing that makes me know too much, and you just can't live with that. Number seven, he said, you can't have darkness in you when you're open with others. I'm completely open, and that's how I find balance When that honesty manifests, it can be easily artistic. I don't get it anywhere else. She said, you act like everything is cool if you just tell people that you're an ethical non-monogamist or something. You just tell them, I'm a player, and then that makes it all okay. Just because you tell them doesn't mean that you're not going to hurt them. Of course you will. The darkness causes you to use people in the sweetest yet deadliest way possible, always act with your swollen ego and dick in hand and never have a hint of compassion, mercy, or empathy for the suffering you cause. And you use these delusions as the source of your art. If that's not a kind of darkness of the soul, I don't know what is. Number eight, he said, I don't believe in marriage or possessiveness or ownership or relationships with just two people. She said, you played the part and acted as if you believed it every day and every night for over 15 years. Who could keep up a charade like that for so long and never even hint that there was a problem? You faked loyalty but you don't even know what it is or why it's important. You're only loyal to yourself. Number nine, he said, I don't believe in your God or right or wrong or good and bad or sin and virtue or any of that stuff that you believe about morals. I don't believe in morals. We can all just do what we want to. That's our choice. She said, You prayed with me 
went to church with me and pretended to believe for many years. But you don't have to believe in God to understand ethical behavior and moral imperatives. You don't just get to serve yourself as if you are God. You are saying that you are godless, evil, without any morals, a hedonist. I guess you were just faking the rest of it the whole time. Number 10, he said, I had a dream about you. You were wearing a big hat and shorts and flip-flops, and we were at the trailer back in the old neighborhood where I grew up. You smiled at me and went inside the trailer. You will always be in that safe place that will always be the place of my most special memories. I want to remember you like that forever, frozen in time, beautiful, inside my childhood home. She says, your attempt to romanticize the brutality and ruthlessness of your actions are offensive and obscene. In your imaginary world of magical thinking, maybe this scenario plays out like a movie where the hero rides into the sunset. You are not that guy. You are the bad guy. And this is not some fantasy. It's real. Number 11. He said, fireworks are coming. It's time to go. She said, just two weeks after you suddenly abandoned me, you texted me on the 4th of July with this message that fireworks are coming. Year after year, since I could remember, we always enjoyed watching them together. It was a magical time telling me this was just, you know, telling me that about the fireworks was perhaps the most hurtful thing that you have said. And you knew that. You knew it. It gutted me. But you never looked back. Number 12. He said, I had to try to seduce the person closest to you and betray you like that because you were emotionally unavailable and disconnected. It was your fault. She said, the moment that you committed that crime against her, me, and our marriage, it was over. I held on for four more years because I loved you. I believed it was your last transgression, and you were all I had left. I never gave up hope that you could be honorable and learn to have integrity. I was wrong. I was trauma-bonded and addicted to you. I wish I could have been stronger. I will never forgive myself for staying and putting you first above all else, and I will never forgive you for what you did to me, to my family, and then to blame me for your transgression is proof that you are incapable of being a real human being. I try to remember that you were impaired and incapable of being more or doing better, 
and I accept responsibility for having no healthy boundaries and clinging to you so helplessly, but the level of destruction you created was apocalyptic. Sometimes injured things are simply too dangerous to try to save. You know, I think about that. I think about my cat that got hit by a car. It's too injured to save. I think about other things. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do is just put them down. Your personality disorder defines you. Everything else fades to black. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.